0: You know I'm totally off script right now. The Green New Deal, right? Darling, is the wind blowing today? I'd like to watch television, darling. Russia, please, if you can, get us Hillary Clinton's emails. Please, Russia, please. He asked Russia to go get the emails. We're going to look into his finances. I said, where did that come from? He always talked about Russia. The Attorney General said, I'm going to
1: recuse myself. And I said... Why the hell Toby, I he love tell me
2: how ominous this
1: I is. I know, does not it seems Russia, it gets Russia, it feels Russia, creepier Russia, here Russia, at Russia, later but yeah. So I I, uh, I was weird. online and it's all this impeachment bad. stuff and I think today's impeachment bad, day or they're bad. talking about impeachment I don't know. And it's I a d- bad, d- this is how dumb I am. I don't totally understand the whole impeachment thing because I know he's not really going to get out of office because there's enough Republicans and all that stuff, but you can't get away from Donald Trump these days. There is no escape from our president like like never before. it is He is everywhere, and he loves it. And so I, I was like, oh, I'm going to create a song and just with him talking. So I just typed in Donald Trump, and, of course, uh, um, all his goofball stuff that he said and all his stuff. Was, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to put some music to this and make it's kind of serious because it is, I mean, death, but so he's everywhere. There is no escaping House, so Donald Trump. No Did you me. ever think in your life said, that Iraq. every okay, single day man. almost okay. the entire world would sure. think about Donald Trump at least do. once? Totally oh, yeah. In one week.
2: Oh, I say, yeah. One I mean, week? No, of course, and I, I, don't and of course I don't know anything about impeachment or what impeachment I don't care at all. And nothing Donald Trump's ever done has is so unrelated to me. In every way, right. from my point of Should view, right. And I still, there's no escape. And he's, he's just the ultimate character together, so far. No escape. You know, oh, is, is he, is he not? Like you hear him just doing the whatever he's say saying there. They, right. They're, it, they're not sentences, and they don't need to be sentences. They're just Online. word association right. yeah. at human. He speaks to the human man, base level, directly He just says Hillary. Emails. That's not a Donald Trump voice, but I don't have one. But he's just regurgitating associative keywords. that Right. Unconscious mind just pairs with stuff. You know, I don't know if it's it's like it's a trick or something, but it it, it works. And he's just, he's using all the machinery to just cause, I mean, I suppose he affects me a ton, I guess. I want to say he affects me zero on the regular human level, but it has so much effects. I mean, just... Like what it do I think completely. about Hillary Clinton and emails? Well, whatever. I don't know. I guess I get it from him, or I react to it, or I disagree with it because he said it. I don't know, but I mean, he those those effects of him have effects in me, unavoidably so. Right. Even if I try to be not even uh, don't even care about it, it's still. I guess it's is still there. <laughs> it's hilarious. I mean,
1: he's. I, I can't believe how much he actually likes it. Like, I mean, I don't care yeah. what you say about this dude. He loves it if you talk bad about him, or or good about him, or he just uses talk it about times. him. Like, yeah, I he's mean, sensitive can,
2: sometimes, though.
1: Yeah, no, he's sensitive, but he's still like, like he he loves going on the attack and cutting people down. Like, I mean, it was the funniest thing. I was looking up all this stuff. It, they made Greta Thunberg. May we talk about that? The uh, I always say her last name, but Greta, y'all know the young lady who's for. Uh, we know pro, pro, you know who. I don't. That's all I got to say. They made her on Time. She's on the cover of Time magazine as Person of the Year. And he just had his people cut out her head and put his head on there, <laughs> <laughs> and it just says Donald, personally of the year, whatever. Like, like just—I mean, our president did that. It's, it's just—it's
2: shocking, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's really crazy. He's just playing a whole nother game, <laughs> and it's scary. And I mean, he's certainly a bad guy. I mean, he just is a—he's just a villain. But it's just—I guess people still like the story, or something. I mean, I don't—I don't know. But it's—he—he. He, Without a doubt, is tough, like mentally, and I want I want to talk about that a little bit. Not okay. him, but I want to talk about that concept a little bit. He, but he, I mean, is it is it deniable that his that he is mentally tough to deal with the, these? He knows what the stakes are here. Like I've dealt with tough negotiations and legal matters and really gut wrenching stuff where you had to really be the man you are and handle it and you know the complications of it and it is what it is and you have to do this and it's there's bad things to happen either thing you decide and whatever you do but it's you have to and that's what the, and it's just the worst part of your life to be that oh, way. The, what, politician's what, what live What in about that.
1: with yeah like with Emory having to fire a manager or somebody you know yeah. back in the day and you you're like oh god and this person's going to think bad like I just always think that like, like you this get person's going to think co- bad a
2: real me. conflict and you're like right. no we're turning this down. You're going here, and it's all on this. And it's I'll call your bluff, and this will make it difficult and painful for you. But you're gonna have to do it. Submit to like to be in that territory. Some people get in a embroiled in a conflict or a legal battle once in right. their life, and they say it's the worst thing uh, imaginable. I have I know a little about that, and that is true. It's the most taxing, worst things to have to operate in that mode of like weakness and power and crush, and you must. And liability and danger, right? And the politicians, all of them, live in that all day, every day. It's these huge forces that they deal with, and it's and they at the higher and higher levels, it is life and death. And there's drone strikes, and there's the the whole uh, Democratic Party that is this way, pressuring you for. I mean, it's all these power dynamics that are pure, and your hand is forced, and it's not true, and it's all phony, and you have to do all these things, and they live in it, and I guess like it. I mean, I I can't – it's super hard to explain, but I met a politician the other day, and they're a different type of person. They are not like you or me. They're not. It was a city councilman. It was a city councilman lady um, who I met the other day here in this room. So that's how I. That's how I'm calibrated. I know me. I know who I am. I know who you are. I know this room. Right. I know what people talk like in this room. I know, I, I feel safe here. <laughs> it's my area. I know other people <laughs> when they come in and they're here, and I know this world. A yeah. politician came in here to do a podcast with somebody else in my space. This is a city council lady, right? With somebody who uses my room to podcast uh, that they pay me to, to do. So I got to I set up the mic from them and and meet the people and stuff like that. And I met this politician, and I'm telling you different kind of person different
1: not like you or me and other people not just you you and me can you give me a couple examples of what you were reading like what do you mean when you say a different kind of person what are you implying here well mainly phony but phony at a professional level that's just staggering
2: like she is stunningly good at that but it's so far off from being human though is all I'm saying she presents this way. She talks to me this intentional way. She tried to get my phone number and connect me with somebody else. In music. It was all phoniness at the highest level, like the highest level of pretense and nailing it. And there's almost no way you could encounter her and not think she was the smartest, best person. There's almost no chance that, that that's the almost required takeaway from interacting with a person like that. And then if you were in a if you had, if you were at odds with them, you would be receiving a pure, cold, and calculated hand forced, inhuman. At right. the same time, they're both of those things at the same time because they're playing a game that's beyond them. So you, when you get in a situation where your hand is forced, like you're in a divorce or something, like I would, I'm never the kind of person that would X, Y, Z. Well, you would in a fucking divorce trial. Trust me, you just. You right. get this and it makes the other party look bad But that's to accomplish the other goal And you just live in that And that's what they're always in And now think about how miserable a divorce would be And you're going through all the legal stuff And you have to right. do the inhuman stuff And then the politicians are like that all the time That's their whole world is that Yeah. And then Donald Trump is the ultimate one of those and yeah. he's like that And he lives and thrives On what is the most unpleasant of things It's wild And he's mentally able to do it somehow Um, like you know how exhausting that would be it's uh, it's just
1: insane you're using the right word thrive i mean he is thriving it it doesn't matter what's thrown at him like he is able to roll with everything you might think he's the dumbest idiot worst human it doesn't you can say everything and be true with some stuff that you think about donald trump and it just it will roll off of him i've heard so many people in media friends my own mouth say well this is going to get him oh this <laughs> yeah. looks bad yeah. no. and has it yeah. mm-hmm. what what thing is has that you know just us three people here who don't really care about politics that much know a lot of bad stuff about Donald Trump, and I also know that none of it has stopped him even a uh, hair yeah. I don't think anything's even slowed him down in fact he uses like this impeachment thing might one hundred percent help him like that that that's how crazy it is this he might can make it work in, to his benefit like i mean there isn't, there isn't anything that he that you can't say for certain. Wait a minute, this thing is going to put Donald Trump in his place. No, you really? cannot say that for sure. It's always who no, you know. It, it's just right there. And the same as the election. I mean, Hillary won the 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 general election, right? But he still the just made it vote, happen. Yeah. The popular vote, I mean. And then he he just won, and it's just it's just it, it's crazy that he. Doesn't seem to get exhausted. He's older. I think he's 74 or something like that. And he's just, I, he's probably doing something maybe to help him. I don't know what his pre- doctors are prescribing him or whatever. Joe Rogan always says he has, he has some theories on that. But, uh, I, I mean, I, it's just shocking that he could do all this. I mean, there's times where I, if you look at his Twitter, he was tweeting at like 2 AM, 3 AM in the morning oh, yeah. or something like that. And just, and just going after somebody like, it's just, I, I mean, all this stuff, i it, it, you're right, there's some kind of mental uh you have to get to a place mentally to be a politician that does make you not totally you can't be human or regular. No, you can't no. be. I mean the, the system, if you are that, you will lose well, you, you just, will ne- you just can't. There are people that have tried that and
2: they lost. Yeah, tons of people have tried. They, they don't get anywhere. Right. They're just not there. They're not the highest levels. I mean, people, yes. to get into politics, you have to start young, and you have to be good at fundraising and phoniness, and then right. we'll see how evil and tough you are. And then right. that'll
1: determine how far you get. Uh, and Okay. The, I mean, and they, you're right. They're good at it. This lady is a city councilman, l- low tier in the whole scheme of all politics and stuff like that. Uh, but think about, I mean... She has to be like that just on this level, so how much do you have to ramp it up? It's crazy when you think about right people, um, yeah when you think about politicians that you think are good, and man that, that, that's a cool person. maybe Obama, maybe Bernie Sanders, Bernie or whatever, they are just unbelievable, and they are still nowhere close to real or not a politician. They are 100 percent politician first, more than human first, or more than any it, it, they are on track to uh, they're on an agenda politic maybe politicians should be a form of human. It, yeah, we need them.
2: I'm not saying we don't need politicians right. and government. We do. That's what I was. That
1: was going to be my next point. God, don't, I don't, don't want to. You know. Don't you need it? Like, they? Yeah, maybe, they're a sacrifice. For they're doing society. this, but yes, yes, they're doing this because of that's us. Right. And we, that's right, they have to be like this, or else, that's right. We nothing would happen. It would they, they don't have it. a different
2: choice to make. They're, that's what I'm saying. That's why if you're in the middle of a divorce, doing a legal thing, you quickly go, oh, I don't have a choice. It just is. This just is. Right. This is what I must do now because of the situation that I am in. And then you don't feel very guilty because you, well, that's all, you're surviving. And so it puts me to the point where I recognize that impulse in me and in other people, and it's to distance. And so I just call him total bullshit on the whole thing of when people, the the part where it, it resides in your, where you're like a politician, is anybody who can really separate and say, it's just business. Like, you do something bad to somebody, and then you say, but that's just business? No, right. fuck you. Right. No. That's not... I don't accept that. Right. That's not right. I don't believe in that. That's just not... I just don't. You don't just separate. You don't dissociate like that. I don't I don't buy that. I don't believe that, in that. When you just say it's... You know, like, they do it in movies a lot. It's real dramatic. Right. It's like... Somebody you really like, and then you walk out yeah. of the business meeting where they're screwed, and you go, it's just business, man, because you knew you had a connection. Like, right. that's a, the model of the thing I'm talking about. But that's right. fucked up. That's yeah. that's not that's not true. It, it, it's fine to just do business. I know people are trying to defend themselves, but I'm talking about the part where – and I, I know this because it's a boundary thing, so I'm able to kind of realize it because I've been guilty of, of – I guess I've been guilty of it is what I'm saying. But it's like you think that – if you have used your personal relationship and connection with someone as leverage for business, then you've, that's not right. That is right. not right. And so it's not that you can't just do business. Like, I don't care. I'm going to negotiate the lowest possible price and not care about the car salesman. Yeah, that's just business. But I didn't have – I didn't develop a personal relationship with him in order to get a lower price and put time and investment into that where he didn't realize that's why I was at his house on Saturday night. All right. To get a cheaper price on the car. And then when I do, I and and he says, You don't want to come over to my house anymore for barbecues? I look at him and say, It's just business, man. <laughs> like that. That's fucked up. You know what right. I mean? Like, that's yeah. an extreme example. But you don't get to go into somebody's life and make a connection with them and pretend to be a real person when you
1: are just doing that strategy fucking shit. Is What's what I'm the saying. allure that's to not a poli- right. What's the allure to a politician then? Like what is it? Like when they're growing up and they're 17, 18 years old, is it Power? Do they, yes. It, is it, it, I mean, it has to be some it's percentage that they, they, they want to do good. There has to be that, yep. even if it's well, a that, deception. Well, they believe but, they do good. Right? They, right. They believe they do more
2: good than you. Right. I mean, they believe that they do more good in the world than you think you do good in the world. Yeah. Like their they, self, they might, their self thought of what good they do is way higher than yours. Right. That's I mean, the. That's how it works. You have to dissociate. Right. You have to become the fake person. To pass, to cross every boundary and get every ingratiated smile and handshake and baby kiss and you, to be, to be believable to pull it off, you've got to internalize it, and you need to do that at a young age where you know that your platform and your power and who you are is a gift to everyone,
1: oh. and then you can pull it off. All right, uh, we got to get to our awesome guest, but I have one last question for you, and this makes me feel queasy and not <laughs> not good. That's. That's why there's no chance Jesus could have came right now because he would have just been considered unbelievably weak. He was even back then, but he yeah, would Jesus course. would be not even considered anything because he opposite. would just be he'd be too weak. Right. right? Our our God. I mean, that's what they already thought that they thought they were getting a king, and that's what. Oh right. yeah, it's that's that. exactly what we want. We want. I mean, Trump is Solomon or David or right? Like we we want so the king. So is your past? By the I know, way, I know. I know so I know. is everything. That's what you you're the yes. You want but the a example of what God is like is too weak for us. <laughs> that's why we've always wanted a king. It's, yeah, right. Oh, God, that makes me feel sick. This what you, that's
2: what the Bible's about. You want a king. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a pastor and you, know. You know, they didn't need a king to, for, for government. You got to. But there's aren't right. good things. Right. It'd be better if you didn't need. need and a pastor's not exactly in that category, but the people's need for it is. Like most people would just would want Donald Trump to be their pastor because he's a big, right. strong man king. So yeah. that's not. Of course, you can separate that from what really a pastor ought to do and does do naturally and whatever. Right. But do you really
1: know which is which anymore? Right. Like, that's the that, problem. That's what, yeah, the, the big thing here is you want a king no matter what. You just don't like this one. Maybe, yeah. maybe the next one will be the one that you like. But you, it's like your it's king yeah, your yeah. place is, is good, actually. I mean, That's though. why you hear people saying, not my president. Good Lord. What the hell are you talking about? You, you want president. You are the reason why we have presidents. Me, I am the reason. I want yeah. the king. I want it, too. I want, I want to look like everybody else, other, all the other countries, and have the big, strong mm-hmm. leader that's going to protect us and kick ass. And we're yes. we're awesome. America. So I see the politicians
2: as mentally ill people who have a psychological defect that started at an early age that we put that upon them and need them as a sacrifice to make our society run because how fucked up we really are. Does that make sense?
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> well, lighthearted that's, topic. We need
2: today. it. It's part of, you know, it's a... Collateral damage to those young souls that wind up being politicians—they were probably already fucked up narcissists in the first place. So whatever, we'll right. just use them to. We need them.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, you can listen to my whole uh, Donald Trump song and called it Donnie at the end of this podcast. And uh, let's don't get into this with Dan. Let's just talk about like no. something. Let's talk about <laughs> you know insane. some uh, something. Let's go it's the science route or something like that. I think Dan's wanting to talk about some science or something. So we'll do that. But first, today's show is brought to you by Tooth
2: and Nail. So, again, Tooth & Nail is just the best company. They've been putting money into this podcast and being willing to associate their name with ours, which many are not comfortable with for so long, and it's awesome. So we, we really think that getting music for people for Christmas and for yourself is a great idea, and it you know it keeps this whole DIY community going. So you should support Tooth & Nail. You should get music. You should listen to music. You should give it as a gift. What are we listening to right now? Reva, what is this?
0: Jingle Bell Rock by The Ongoing Concept.
2: This is The Ongoing Concept, doing a Christmas song?
0: Yeah, man. It's from Solid State's album
3: Midnight Clear. It's I like it. all Christmas music.
2: That nail has been doing Christmas albums forever. There's a bunch of good ones and stuff like that. But let me tell you what they do have going right now for Christmas for their sales and stuff like that. They've got, I'm talking about $5 digital albums, any of them that you want. Uh, 30% off any CDs. I know there's a lot of CD collectors out there that still have those. Well, 30% off. Why not go ahead and complete your Tooth and Nail Connect collection. 25% off all apparel. Now, that is money for your gifts right there. You save 25%, get somebody a shirt, get them a hoodie, take the other 25%, buy something for yourself Mm, on me. All right, 20% off select vinyl. Vinyl is all the rage. Of course you want vinyl. Vinyl makes a good gift. I think it even makes a good gift to somebody that doesn't have a record player just to get it, just to hold it, just to look at it, just to show it off. So all the way to December 31st, take advantage of it while you can and pick up some records on the cheap. You can go to toothandnail.merchnow.com or solidstate.merchnow.com. and check it out there. And Tooth and Nail wanted me to tell you this. Merry Christmas from everybody at Tooth and Nail. Have a great holiday season. Okay. So Dan, I was listening to your episode the other day about evolution, yeah, and I thought it was one of my favorite podcast episodes uh, because it had such a clear format to it. It was like 10 myths about, it's almost that blog format.
3: Yeah, It's a listicle format. Yeah, which I
2: I don't really, you know, that came out of style in blogs. But in your podcast episode, it was, it was, that's a really kind of a good way to do it. And the guy that you had on there was explaining the myths about evolution, and it was so concise and so clear that I felt like, man, there's almost no escape. If you're listening to this, you can't hold your stupid ideas anymore if you hear this. <laughs> and so I wanted yeah. to, I th- I to kind of go through that, but then I thought there's really no point. That episode is so good just that I'm just, people I'm that, just yeah. pointing people yeah. to that. But it made me want to have a discussion with you about how to engage with and trust with science. You've been doing a bunch of research, and yeah. these episodes you've been making are just terrific. And the, your show is growing really fast, and that's only based on the quality. Because we're, you know, you're not doing marketing. It's growing it's really stuff. slow. <laughs> well, that's slow <laughs> is fast in a, in yeah, a way, yeah, and consistently. consistently. Yeah. But um, so I was just curious if you could tell us, uh, you know, what I w- want to catch up everybody catch up with what you're doing. The show is you have permission and you're now in graduate school. And what, yeah. tell us what you're, what you're doing. Cause it's translating to great podcasting.
3: Well, I'm 2% through a PhD in counseling psychology. <laughs> so that's really showing up. Um, it's actually called a PsyD. It doesn't matter. It's just a different degree. Uh, very similar, but so yeah. So for you have permission, there's sort of like different categories of episodes. There's theology episodes. There's sort of like biblical textual episodes. There's a bunch of science episodes.
1: Let's uh, and, get a little closer on your mic
3: here. And there's psychology. Just tilt it up. Yeah, there you go. And there's like psychology episodes. And, and those are increasing, um, partly because my interest in psychology is increasing. And the way that I've been saying that to people just conversationally is, I've spent like 15 years looking for theological answers to questions. So let's say you have a question of like, well, you know, why do people not believe in evolution? Or why is my pastor saying this thing about demons? Uh, You could say, well, here are five views of demons. I'm starting to think uh, going to psychology is like a better answer. Like, well, here's what talking about demons is doing for your pastor. Here's mm-hmm. what it's doing behavioral and functional in the mind yeah. for the people in your church. Here's what here's what your parents not accepting your gay brother is doing for them. Mm-hmm. And now less about right and wrong. Well, it's yeah, it's that that answer is less about right yeah. and wrong. Now there still is a question of right and wrong. There still is a theological question. There still is a textual question. It's not like those go away and now oh, we don't have to do theology anymore. We'll just do psychology. But they're all operating, mm-hmm. you know, even if it's doing something for you that you like and and you believe it wrongly because it's giving you this thing. Or you could believe it rightly and it's doing this thing for you that you like. It could be either one. But I'm just more – I'm finding that more um – useful tack for understanding the world that I was given and the world that I'm finding myself in now. Uh, And Are you saying it's more valuable, like
1: psychology is a better uh, barometer of our morality or it helps our morality?
3: No, because it it shouldn't really have much to say. It's it's more of a scientific question. It's like, well, what is actually going on? Like just describing.
2: Right. Like um, you're looking at an animal
3: population. You describe how ants or bees or antelope, but, like, here, I'll give you an example. So if I am feeling down or tired, you know, I might want to watch porn. I might want to eat a cheeseburger. I might want to smoke a cigarette. I'm, I am I want to self-medicate in one of five or six ways. Yeah. Binge Netflix, whatever. Right. Now, my morality says I don't want to do those things. I would rather go for a run. I would rather go for whatever, listen to a bad Christian podcast and do the dishes, (laughs) whatever. I would, I want to find a healthier thing that aligns with my values. Yeah. But if I approach that question psychologically, I've already got the value. The value is I don't want to self-medicate. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better friend. I want to use that time, like call my dad up, whatever. Right. Psychology is why am I doing it mentally? And then once I realize why I'm doing it, I might have a better point at which I could intervene yeah. and give myself a better idea and more effectively stop doing the thing I don't want to do. So it's the morality might be separate. You know, I have this value, but it's how do I? It's not a for morality. It? No. no, it's right.
0: a
2: tool to get deeper at yeah. uh, the deeper causes of your behavior Ideally, and then align it with your yeah. morality.
3: Ideally, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, which yeah. theology can inform your morality to exactly. your taste, and it and it does. Yeah. So theology informs the reason right. that I even want to study psychology, which is that I want people to experience God's love, right? And I think that most people can, and I think there's a whole ton of shit that gets in the way, and it's all kinds of stuff. But like, let's say one of the things getting in the way is your relationship with your parents, or how you're treated at work, or uh, your ethnic background. And how you're, you're an African American Christian who only lived in areas where all the churches were predominantly white and they never played music you liked. And like all that psychology. I mean, there's certainly a psychological angle of like, okay, let's, let's get through that. Let's work through that. Right. You know,
1: I think the church though, and maybe this is where we're headed to, is is a, pushes back on that because of the morality issue of without God, if you're going, that's a humanistic approach. And then you can't can't be good. Like if, I mean, that's what I, that's that's what I thought. Wait, if you don't trust Jesus, Jesus is the good. I'm not. So without him, there's only bad. So me knowing my thoughts, all I would find out is they're bad thoughts. because (laughs) I'd be from I might be a murderer, a a, a rapist, all those things. Without Jesus, I'd go,
3: yeah, I'd be morally bankrupt. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, so you could still hold that view. You, what you might need to do is um, interpret it a bit more widely. Like, uh, what does it mean to say without Jesus? So does that mean without consciously saying the name Jesus in my thoughts and in my chats with everyone or specifically only doing things in red letters in the Bible? Most people would actually go further than that. They would say, well, it's like the Jesus way of life. Okay, well, now we're already getting a little bit wider. What counts as the Jesus way of life? And people have different views on this. But zoom out way further and say, look, we have a good, loving God who created the world, including our brains, including our bodies, including matter and neurons and all of that stuff. We're just understanding the world that God created. And so um, it's hard for me to imagine, let's say I understand myself 30% better and God created me. Have I not understood God a little better? I don't see how you could say I don't. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: But the church only capacity is their capacity. I mean, they use the tools they have. To, but that, but the problem, in my opinion, is they they don't back up. The, the ask is too big. It is. We have some answers, and we do some really good things. But what we're asking is that you trust us entirely. Which will, for for instance, yeah. then instead of science, for instance.
3: Right, so I was
2: wondering you know, how we were going to get back. Instead <laughs> of,
3: it's, it's yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. so the
2: ask that church makes
3: is yeah. too large. and this Some is a, churches and some well, pastors. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm generalizing,
2: but this is a yeah. feeling I've had my whole life. When I was a kid, you know, when I'm a kid, this is really the central feeling of my life. I'll just explain it hmm. real, real, okay. real quick. Yeah, And so this is why these topics matter to me. When I am under, okay, Georgia's just got a new teacher, a first grade teacher, and she got a strict one. And so I go, oh crap, she got the strict teacher. This is going to be bad and painful. But this teacher's great. I respect her, yeah, she cares about the kids she's tuned in she's dialed, she's focused yeah i'm very excited about that for georgia she's responding well it's going to be great. The worst feeling in the world is when you realize you're under the authority or power of some other person an adult that doesn't respect yeah. you or care about you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. They want more power than what they get that, that, than they give you than they equip you that's supposed to be for your benefit right. and when you can feel that that equation is not yeah. right, it is Terrifying, And all the way down, you can imagine that all the way to a totalitarian government surveillance state. But when the the church to me, it's just, they they, they did that thing where it's like, well, it's Jesus and Jesus is everything and it's everything and we're the source of Jesus. So all of your, all of your, all your counseling will be here. Your psychology will be here. Your science will be here. Don't worry. we We got it. We got it. We got it.
3: That's so, terrifying.
2: Yeah. That's a, a real problem.
3: Uh, it totally is a real problem. But I would, I would ex- abstract it out a bit. I would just say, when you have authority, you can use that authority well or poorly. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people know the story of Brian Wilson, singer of the Beach Boys. Uh, he had mental illness. Some of that was aggravated by his use of LSD in the 60s and 70s. But then he got this therapist who And really, that was John Stamos? Yeah, John Stamos, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it, it, so he's played by Paul Giamatti in um, Love and Mercy in the film. When uh, Cusack is playing the older Brian Wilson, but basically this guy um, just ran Brian Wilson's life, moved in, prescribed mm. him all this medication, yeah. fried his brain even more, siphoned money off of his estate, yes. you know, gave himself publishing on some songs that he wrote, <laughs> oh, just God. just the worst of the worst. Yep. So that was a secular therapist who had you know a doctoral kind of a power over him. He had a medical kind of a power. Mm-hmm. So authority can be abused. What's going on with what you're talking about in the church? I mean, I think that we could talk about at least two different angles. We could talk about the sort of psychological angle, which is which is both the pastor, the leadership, and also the congregants, mm-hmm. and like how all that stuff works. We could also talk about the historical angle, which that's is true. like when. And that's kind of what this trust science episode mm-hmm. was about. Is like when did that enmity yes. start right. between church and science? Yep. Because it certainly wasn't there in 300 AD. So why is it there in 1990? Right. Yes. You know, and so what, I, what I
2: mean is not, I'm not blaming individual pastor yeah. of this church. I'm saying the institution, the setup is just, it's just convenient. It's mm-hmm. like, well, where do we get our answers? Church is better than science or church is better. Let's just go with the church for everything. Yeah, It got that way. I don't really blame anybody, but this is like you say with psychology, these are things to start being, becoming aware of if you can. Yeah. So what is the history of, of like, so let's just take science, which I like that episode yeah. and it's really broad. But how did science and the church get such
3: enmity in the first place? So here's like a a really condensed three-minute story of that. So Isaac Newton in the 17th century, right, Mm -hmm. comes up with uh, Mm -hmm. Newtonian physics, which are still true today for objects that are big enough and small enough, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, Then 1700s rolls around, and in 1711 or so, David Hume, the philosopher, is born, and when he's writing, he there are different views of miracles before Hume. So Aristotle or not Aristotle. Um, Augustine and Aquinas had these kind of interesting nuanced views. You know, Augustine thought like mostly most of what God does is a miracle, like all the time. and he didn't really have this sharp distinction. Aquinas had a sharper distinction. Hume comes and Hume says, look, though we know through Newtonian physics that the world is completely deterministic mm-hmm. physically. And therefore, a miracle, any type of action of God's, is breaking the laws of physics and intervening that is supernatural, and everything else is natural. And the natural is just going to do its thing on its own. This is the divine clockmaker argument. On autopilot. Mm -hmm. God sets it up. If you know the beginning coordinates and have all the information and you know all the laws of physics, you could predict every single event into the future. And redetermine the past. Right. Uh, yeah. And how we got mm-hmm. there. Right. right. And, and, yes, exactly. Now, fast forward about 100 years to the turn of the 20th century, late 1800s, early 1900s. We get the big fundamentalism breaking off from basically rationalist scientists types. And, and what has happened at that point, that's important for our conversation here, is they're still agreeing with Hume. And the atheists are saying, right, so there's no miracles. And the fundamentalists are saying, right, so there are miracles. Mm -hmm. But they both agree with Hume that the whole thing would just go. If God just let it go, it would go. And only God's action is just intervening in that natural order. Breaking a law of physics. Pausing the second law of thermodynamics to introduce new energy into a closed system. Right. Whatever. That would be the scientific way of saying it. Now. Certain kinds of evangelicalism and other conservative Christianities have not progressed from that point. They still, like, if you read Richard Dawkins, if you have Richard Dawkins debating Ken Ham or some kind of fundamentalist, they agree on the rules of the game Mm -hmm. that if God left everything alone, it would still just go. It would just go, 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 go. But God doesn't, you know, or God does intervene and has miracles. Yeah. So basically, that is like the default that most of us are given. Now, the problem with that picture is it's not true. So Newtonian physics don't actually work that way. So there's two things that Hume didn't know. One of them is that he didn't know about Einstein's theory of general relativity, which shows that Newton's physics does not work if things are big enough. Mm -hmm. So yeah, gravity works this way, but if they get really big, you know, now time and space are actually kind of tied together and whatever. And then he didn't know quantum theory, quantum physics, which is if things are small enough, they also don't work that way. Mm -hmm. They only work that way probabilistically. And, you know, here's my water bottle. It's got, you know, billions of molecules or something. It's Mm -hmm. not going to move around. But if I go deep enough with a small enough microscope and I look at this aluminum, actually there's like fluctuation. And this atom might go that way. and This electron might go that way. And so we didn't know that yet because we didn't have – Right. Basically small enough microscopes mm-hmm. Couldn't do the slit experiment To see that Light is both a wave and a part You know, all this stuff So Can I clean
2: up the microscope part of that Real Please. quick? Please, yeah the, If you did look at it in a microscope To that degree You would see it in a position that's funny. Oh, that's right. If you, it, when you yeah. observe it, you do find it in position. Right. But if you, but, and I don't think you can really do the microscope. So it would be a photon yeah, detector. Yeah. yeah at a at photon that point, detector. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Okay. But if you did something else, it would be behaving like a wave. And right. Right. Okay. So yeah, it's we're about, now we're probably talking about look, mitochondria. Yeah. I won't get into it. <laughs> Go ahead. So that's the one thing that Hume <laughs> didn't know. The second thing Hume didn't know is he didn't know that there was top-down causation. So because he thought that the entire world was like a clock. Once you wind that clock up, everything is determined. But for instance, um, I'm waving my hand right now. My hand is not waving itself. We now know that there are sort of emergent properties of physical things. So um, it's not the case that all the parts of my body act on their own. I am able to influence them through my mind. Now, that might still be physical, but it's a different direction of causation. Mm -hmm. And so if you only think there's bottom-up causation, meaning you start at the beginning and all the causation just flows out through time naturally no matter what, well then you can understand that God couldn't be acting. But if there's top-down, then God can speak to my mind, my mind can do things. Mm -hmm. So it's just, we have a, if you're, if you get this, if you have a more robust picture of things God might do.
2: If you wanted to resist what you're saying about top-down causation, then, it you could say that well, still there's mechanical processes in your brain that give rise to what you think is your consciousness and free will that are still deterministic, it, yeah. and many people have that point of view. But it there's quantum effects in your brain, and it's not it's not clear what consciousness is, or how it emerges, right. or if it has effects, or if it's tag along. Those things are not scientifically clear. There's different opinions. There's different so opinions. Yeah. If that's open, then obviously, if does your mind control your arm, or does the quantum states in your brain make you think that you're controlling your arm. It's possible. But either way yep. is possible. But if that's possible and invisible and unmeasurable and we're lost, then certainly we're not precluded from the superorganism of you and me and Toby being top-down caused in ways that yeah. we also can't understand in the collective conscious or God
3: or simulated. Yep. I mean, clearly those things are open. So, yeah, and here's the biggest, here's where it really all comes down to. So, yes, there are different, there are more than one interpretation of quantum physics. And some of them are still deterministic, but but some of them aren't. And so you've heard the mm-hmm. Heisenberg uncertainty principle. Heisenberg's interpretation of quantum physics is that it is not determined. Uh, and what matters here, though, is that we're just trying to trace, like, where did this antipathy come from? It comes from 1910 or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it comes from basically before we understood quantum physics. Uh, and so you then you get... You know, bring in evolution. So then you start getting all this evidence that Darwin's theory is correct. Well, if I'm in a more fundamentalist uh, colored environment, I'm going to take that 100-year-old antipathy between faith and science, and I'm going to go, well, these scientists have an agenda. Uh They're clearly – they're just trying to be anti-God or something like that. But the people working today are saying things like, look – we have, like, a the the chances of a universe where life can form. You, you probably know these numbers better than I do, but, like, the anthropic principle, like, mm-hmm. the fine-tuned universe. I mean, it's just, it's bonkers unlikely. I think I heard someone describe it. It's like a cube with 5 million uh, sides per line, and then one of those. So 5 million times 5 million times five million, one of those, life could form. We mm-hmm. happen to be in that universe. Now, that's where the multiverse comes in, and so people have, mm-hmm. they have to have some other way of thinking about it. But, like, That's complicated. That's all up for grabs. That's up for grabs. It's not that we settled
2: everything. and science knows everything, and here's what it's going to be. That's so
3: crazy. I mean, it's it's really up for grabs. It's really interesting. I mean, whether the I guess the point I'm trying to motivate that like you can think very seriously about science with modern day scientists and theorists, and have a really interesting conversation about what God may or may not be doing. Mm -hmm. You don't need to
2: disagree with a scientist from 1890. That no, you don't need right. to disagree with it. Our argument no, is not no, with David right. Hume. Right, right. It is not. Uh, it's right.
3: not. We're exactly. our arguments are with people living today, and we know different things, and we don't need to just unthinkingly take this cultural baggage. Basically, mm. that's what I'm saying.
1: What's well, yeah. at the heart of the argument, though? Like, why are people so opposed to what you're saying? Because I mean, you're making sense.
3: Well, what's the, yeah. What? So, so it's a lot to learn, and it's overwhelming. Right. Right. Um, and I think that. There's also a narrative in especially so I'll talk about American evangelicalism because that's what I grew up in and that's what right. I know. I'm sure you find this in conservative Catholicism and other places, but there is a narrative that like there's an us versus them thing. And you you actually see it a lot these days with Trump and evangelicals of like they're out to get us. It's the liberal media, it is sort of uh, liberal university culture, it's these high and mighty intellectuals and they think they don't need God and we know that they do need God. Right. And they if they're not going to if they're not going to the Lord How can we trust their reasoning? It's Mm. something like that. And they don't, and there's a lack of understanding about how science actually works and like how how strong the evidence really is. And there is a very strong psychological motivation for both leaders and congregants to just kind of ignore that because we have this system. It works really well. It's 6,000 years old and Adam introduces sin and Jesus gets rid of sin and all the animal pain that you think is so bad. Well, that wasn't happening before the fall. And it's just, like there's so much pressure to just buy that it's so tidy it explains the right. world and to make the move that I'm talking about is to acknowledge the massive messiness of the world yeah and it's all discernment now rather than certainty and right. so there's 20 things probabilistic thinking yeah. not fun it's, it's not, not fun. easy to
2: control people with or anything but there's there's another element there that's crazy science is vast and has progressed a ton you know theology mm-hmm. hasn't changed a ton ton you theology know but, has actually but science lot, does but yeah. well i mean but it doesn't progress and add volumes and new interpretations at the rate that science does it, it continues to make progress and well i think you know, that's
3: more yeah so there's probably fewer people working on theology than are working mm-hmm. on all of science is like i don't know probably 20 percent of people's jobs but, or something. but I mean, the, a lot of people work in some sort of scientific but the field.
2: data for the religious part is the bible if, if that's your view then you have that and we've just been Analyzing that text for the last whatever and trying to do theology, whereas science we continually access new types of data.
3: Sort of, Uh, yeah. I would say it's probably not quite as clean as that. I mean, if you know, I go to the American Academy of Religion conferences every year, and like, there is incredibly interesting work being done theologically and all kinds of new horizons. I'm I'm reading a book right now by Shelley Rambo, who's in Boston, and it's about the the uh, the lived experience of trauma that people mm-hmm. have, the fact that trauma is both a one-time event and then it lingers. And she's like using that as a lens mm-hmm. for looking at Christian theology. That's a brand new lens.
2: But the data came from science that she's using.
3: Well, sure. Yeah. So it informs it, yeah, right? It right. informs it. But I mean, that all,
2: sounds good to me. I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's still, that's that's new information then being applied to something that you believe and it's good. In One way of thinking about
3: it is it's all the same because look, whatever is true about God theologically whatever happens to be true, and whatever is true about the physical world that God created, these are all things that are true about God in some sense.
2: So seeking to unify these is the obvious thing here. But here's the problem. If you, like any habit, it's like a habit. If you try to do something that you've never done, let's say we were talking about running earlier, it'll be hard. It'll be Mm -hmm. real hard. And you know that if you did it enough, at some point you would lose a certain amount of weight and probably even like it. Yeah, but the, but if you are forty only I could really years that. old and you've been told that running is bad your whole life and yeah. you and you haven't therefore have made sure to avoid any physical activity, yeah, and then you go dip your toe into it and you go holy shit. First of all, it's going to be way harder for you than somebody that has done it, right? And it's going to be more painful than anything you can imagine to to begin. And you will and you'll go. You know what? I might want to just try this running thing. And you'll do a little bit, and you'll go oh. This is going to be way too hard. And even if it is true that it works, I know that I can't yeah. ever get through. it. So imagine being sheltered from science, hundred percent rational thinking, for twenty or thirty years, yep. and thinking you knew something, and then you had to try to understand even the basics of classical physics. Now, yeah. come on, that, you're not about to right. climb that hill,
3: right? And we and know that. So people it's too late. People get overwhelmed, yeah. right? And and so that is, and I think that that's one of the reasons that people leave faith altogether. Is they go? You know what? I'm gonna have to learn all that, and I think that means I'm gonna have to let all this old stuff go because it was so clear to me that it was either their way or the highway. It was yeah, either the Bible they, or science. They right.
2: told you that the yeah. whole time. Yep. it's us or nothing. Explicitly, you're with us or you're against us. And eventually,
3: yep. you, I mean, you can't deal with that dissonance. I mean, nope. it, right. And so that's kind of the the purpose of having ill-equipped. These, the purpose of having these science-based episodes is to sort of avoid that in the future yeah. with people who are thinking about it now or have kids that they're going to raise or who. You know, teaching colleges or whatever, anything. Just like let's avoid that false dichotomy. It's not true. Um, and of course, you or know, is it as, the
2: agenda to destroy the church? Well, do you know what I mean. Like that's yeah, like it's pretty hard sure. when somebody like you is doing what you do and try and admitting where you're coming from and what you're trying to do. It's very hard for somebody to listen to these episodes and go and that's the agenda right there, trying to stop us. I mean, that's so. Like no good faith person could yeah, to Yeah, you everything you're saying right now is what I was about. told
1: uh, is the liberal, progressive person that's trying, that will hurt you, Toby, and destroy Christianity. Yeah. It'll destroy mm-hmm. your faith.
2: And that's the big yeah. authoritative ask is
1: don't make sure not to listen
2: to yeah. Dan. And yeah. I'm not going to help you, but I'm telling you what to do, but I'm not going to help you.
1: Right. I have the authority.
2: Yeah. Well, actually, not me, not me, I'm sorry. The authority is in Jesus. Remember, it's right. not even me. It's He's better thing, yeah. than me. But I'm telling you what to do, who not to listen to, and I'm not going to help you
1: right. with the world. Well, the biggest problem I have too is, and this is where I was so confused and what really started jacking me up a little bit as I was younger was, it is very apparent that uh, most of science and technology that has progressed, Christians appreciate and want. There's just a few things that infringe upon, wait a minute, evolution thing, uh uh-uh. Right. But I even believe if you presented it in a certain way, like, wait, if we... If we could go ahead and say evolution's all right, and that somehow helped humanity, they might would even buy into it, but it literally, the, the problem is, that you're right, it's been pitted against each other. Like, I have defended that evolution was evil and sin. I can remember being in eighth grade, and we talked about evolution, and I, and my family mm-hmm. was like, oh, what in the world? No, uh, yeah. They're doing this now? Wait, Who, who you know? would
2: you have been arguing with in Greer in 1989? Our science,
1: our science, Your science teacher, teacher was talking that. about... Yeah. Evolution, but I even think she said, I have to teach this, yeah, right. Exactly. I have okay, to, that's yep. what I'm saying. Do you even have her, an argument the, with another kid? No, 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 at that, your school that, that, no, anything. it wasn't an argument, it was uh, everybody was shocked about the textbook having that within wow. you. See yeah. what I'm saying, yeah. yeah right. I remember it too, right? It, it, I, my
2: experience in 1990, 1991, but, was I'm arguing evolution right. and just getting devastated by yes. Like, everybody's so morally angry at me that I'm saying, yeah, but you know,
1: like, I was into was. Arguing evolution when I was right.
2: twelve, and so there never was a it science was so conversation. <laughs>
1: I never yeah, had a science conversation about uh, right. evolution until uh, in my twenties. Yeah, like, right. and so ha- I was. There was no information. You, you for didn't me have to one until you read into me. <laughs> I know you're probably right. And then I was like, this, well, th- I thought this guy was cool. He's lost. <laughs> I know. I've on the way to hell. Life. I don't know if I can get him out of it, but that's what it is. That's the way it feels. But, but it's shocking to me that like somebody even like my own parents, my dad, my mom, whatever." Would be so readily uh, acceptable, so readily accept other scientific things that have come, you know, like medicine, electricity, all of these things. Uh, You know, you were talking about Newtonian physics, all that. Uh, I mean, what was the Brit Hume thing that you were talking about? David Hume. Uh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was on Fox News. Oh, yeah, yeah. David Hume. (laughs) (laughs) Both of them.
0: (laughs) Both uh, (laughs) both, both of them are very influential (laughs) influential. (laughs) in the Christian
1: world. (laughs) Uh, But I'm just saying. What at the base? Do you think that science or scientists or philosophy let Christians down in a way by not building a bridge there? Is that what it is like? Was there never a bridge for my dad to go? Wait a minute, I'm taking this this medicine for my headache. That's crazy. This pill can stop my. Brain from hurting. God is good. God is awesome. That's what he wants <laughs> yeah. to say, right? Yeah, and he can move on from that. Yeah, and there's That's no, there's no, enough. there's no uh, uh, morality or or his heart or his faith isn't questioned at all. That's an eight year old, right? Matur- but, maturity but level. He can't so. do that with a few of the those things like evolution. Probably maybe is the biggest one, or how yeah. our our bodies work with our sex and our gender and well, all I of that think stuff.
3: One thing for sh- one thing is for sure, the reason your dad can take penicillin uh, or like got got polio vaccine or had you give you a polio vaccine yeah. when you were a kid by the way polio vaccine is based on the exact same genetic science that uh, the genetic evidence for human evolution is based on it's the same thing
2: I well there is so really uh, no other scientific there is tool no other other than science. using evolutionary theory even if you yeah. said i know for a fact this shit is fucking false You still got no other tool by which to do genetics with.
3: Yeah. You don't. We don't have
2: another one. And it works, even if it's false. Yeah. So I guess if you're a scientist working on a protein synthesis, you don't have a choice. You can't use the Bible for that. You can say, I'm a Christian and I hate evolution unfortunately I will have to be using evolutionary theory today to get to the end of my work and it will work and I'll go home angry about it again. Yeah. You can do that if you want.
3: (laughs) But so here's, but here's something we can say for sure. There is no persistent cultural force telling Christians that they, in most, in almost all sectors of Christianity, there are some telling Christians that they should reject basic medicine, right? Right. That it is of the devil or something like that. And yet there are those things about evolution and so that's what, what I was saying earlier about, like, maybe the psychological explanation is better. Like, it's not like your dad has reviewed the evidence uh, for common him, yeah. dissent and decided against it. Right. Right? I mean, he hasn't, and I wouldn't expect him to. It isn't right. time for that. It's not right. part of his life. Uh, that's not the way we make decisions. It's not yeah. the way we come to a lot of our beliefs. It's not a careful considering of the evidence. Yeah. It's all these other factors. It's people that we look up to, what do they say? And so you can make mm-hmm. a causal chain, all the way back to the turn of the 20th century with wow. this stuff. So, can I ask yeah. a
2: deeper question? There, yeah. deeper historically, I don't understand why you're saying it's there when we have Galileo, for instance, being persecuted for heliocentrism. Yeah, and stuff like that, yeah. Though. that's 1600.
3: I, I'm just I'm drawing a line to particularly American sort of fundamentalist adjacent mm-hmm. evangelicalism that really comes. It really galvanizes at the Scopes Monkey Trial in the 20s. Um, and it really starts around 1890, 1880 in England and, and comes to the States. So I'm just, that's just the but particular kind of...
2: But we- they I see it though, as the church at one point had the claim on everything. It's like church and state. And mm-hmm. there's a little bit of military, and then there's every other thing about humans. And of course, science would have been enveloped in the church at that point. And then eventually, yeah. the church has been losing ground ever since and yeah, doesn't and like that, it. Is that not a narrative
3: way to look at it? That would be, but the time the church started losing ground would be the Protestant Reformation. Yeah,
2: but from, the, 16, yeah, from 16, then, yeah, but yeah, continually since the Enlightenment. The the church has simply been
3: losing ground and fights to keep it. Is that not a way to look uh, at the narrative? It's probably one. I think it's kind of a narrow way. I mean, because there, like, you can talk about the church wanting power when you talk about the Catholic Church or maybe the Orthodox churches. Well, I just
2: mean any power seeks to retain power. Yeah, I don't but mean there isn't far. an or,
3: there isn't an organization yeah. like Toby grew up in Church of God of Prophecy. There's no central organization. Yeah, but really, the, but, yeah. right? But it you has
2: know? a it has a it's one church of 200 people on the corner still doesn't like to lose power over those 200 people. They don't don't say, yeah, well, we're actually not very good at this, this, and this. So just go get that. that.
3: It's complicated though, because it's also, um, you know, look, take myself. I have a podcast. I consider it my main ministry Mm -hmm. at this point. I think that when I become a therapist, that will also be a ministry. Uh, I don't want to lose listeners, right? That's something. But, but is it for because no I, ill intent? No but Ill is intent. it that I is it the only reason I don't want to lose listeners? Power or ego? No, those, those but, are maybe one. But also, I think it's good work. Mm-hmm. I want people to hear it. I get emails from people about how it's helping them. I imagine it's helping plenty right. of people who don't email me. I mean, there's all kinds of. There's I understand. Multiple, yeah, I'm not. I'm, yeah. I'm
2: not blaming even or judging. Yeah. I'm just trying to look at the at the behavior of, of at a, at an organizational level. Seems that way. Like well. No, no organization seeks
3: to relinquish power when it realizes it has less claim in a domain. So maybe, okay, maybe here's a way of putting it. Um, So there is, so for Toby's pastor and any other pastor in a similar cultural situation or for your dad, for his pastor, your dad's pastor, whatever, whatever the connection is through the church that your dad thinks evolution is sketchy, whatever, however he got that view for that authority figure. Um, They have a desire to retain membership in their organization. Mm -hmm. They have a financial need to retain membership in their organization. They have these incentives. Keeping butts in the pews is better than having them leave. Mm -hmm. Now, what if I told that person, here's a great tool that's been working for 120 years Fight against evolution and use this literature. It will activate the us versus them yeah, thing right. that's going on in people's right. brains. It'll cause you, you don't to have... feel
2: more needed and authoritative. Yep. You It'll don't have to do the work. The curriculum
3: is mm-hmm. already written for mm-hmm. you. Well, that's really convenient. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be incentivized to use that curriculum. And the only way you're not going to use it is if for some reason you yourself have been made aware of the evidence for evolution. Would y'all then think... you wouldn't be able to do it in good conscience. Right. Would
2: y'all think that, you know how addictive and obviously devastating it is when you post things on the internet and then you decide whether you should have or shouldn't have posted or how smart you are based on how many likes, how quickly you get. Right, right? Yeah. Would right. you say that being a pastor is like an older form of that? Like it's the it's like it's just you, it's you're quick, saying things crowd, and then yeah. and then you can't help it. Like it's it stand up comedy is the same way it, oh, it's they just, obviously you're, I'm yeah. just trying stuff and whatever's gonna work is what I'm going yeah, to, I won't be right. able to resist doing, whatever's right, going right. to you know when you post, you go, I think this is great. Nobody cares. Well, I won't post that again it's not cuz what i wanted to right. say or what was true it's just well i'll just post the things that work right and so preachers have been in that stand up comedy open mic uh refining position for centuries you know centuries yeah. of like well this works. And th- that and guides it unconsciously. All kinds
3: of stuff like that. I mean, we don't have to get into it now, but purity culture is that way too. Purity culture was like a packaged curriculum mm-hmm. that emerged in the 80s and 90s. And you're a pastor or you're a parent of a teenager and you're like, well, I don't want my kids getting pregnant. And sure seems like Jesus says not to lust. Let's just go with this purity culture thing. But there are 100 more mm-hmm. propositions within that curriculum that are not biblical and that are really contingent on a bunch of other factors and end up being really harmful. But in the moment, you're just like, well, this seems to share. So if, so if talking about evolution, uh, if, you know, I was at a Switchfoot show in Seattle, uh, last year and John Foreman said from the stage, he said, you know, I've been thinking about this a bunch guys. And I think that one of the biggest problems with us these days is we've lost our belief in the supernatural. We've lost the ability to like see God as doing things supernaturally. Now, I've met John Foreman. He's a legit dude. You guys have, you guys had him mm-hmm.
1: on? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. Oh, I don't know. Oh, no. uh, uh, yeah, he, I, had, he was on promoting yeah. something. I yeah, think, uh, he came on. I had
3: him on Depolarize. He, he is a, like, I really, really, really respect that guy. Yeah, I like him. I but I him disagreed too. with that. I heard that. I'm like, oh man, I actually think it's not true. I don't think that we should use. The old terms natural and supernatural unthinkingly and just re-emphasize supernatural. I think we actually what we need to do is rethink the terms natural and supernatural. No, 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 and no, no. we probably need to start finding God in the natural a whole lot more than we do. Like, why can't the miracle be that a universe exists right. with billions of galaxies? <laughs> right. Can that be a miracle? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, and and so uh, but like he's well-meaning and people heard him and they're like, Oh, that's so true. Right. And what they thought was, you know, God is working in my life and I do lose sight of that. And that's a good thing to be reminded of, but it comes packaged with all this stuff. So Foreman is unthinkingly holding on to the Humean distinction between natural and supernatural. He's not meaning to, it's just in the soup. It's in the water. And he was raised Calvary Chapel you know, like still goes, he's just in that community. And what
2: else is he supposed to say between songs to get that message across? <laughs> right. If you ever tried to talk between a song, it's impossible it's unless yeah. you say something that, you know, you, you, I, Eddie Vedder gives a big speech about how it only takes one good teacher. I'm like, I'm in my, I'm in the stadium going, and everybody's cheering their head. Up. I'm like, what? We all think it's acceptable that you can get one in your life and that's good right. enough? That's somehow good? Like yeah, it's, yeah. it's crazy, But that's... Everybody's it's motivational. It's, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it does communicate the value of that one teacher yep. and that there's... I mean, it communicates yep. a lot of things, yep. but it's so uh, a goofy, almost harmful thing to, to say. But that's how... And on stage works that way, between songs, what a preacher says. I yep. mean, certain things are just not going to work if they're complicated, overwhelming, probabilistic. Well, okay, nobody's coming back next week.
3: And that's a, and that's another angle where I think psychology is really interesting. So we could look at, well, why is it that way? Why is it that when we all gather in big groups together that we can only take a message of a certain level of nuance? Mm-hmm. And some of that might be sort of lowest common denominator stuff, uh, but it might also be like when we're— and I'm just spitballing here, but when we are working ourselves up to collective identity, collective action, collective something, we need something that basically 90% of the people in the room can understand and can get behind. And if you start going more complicated, like the kind of conversation we're having right now, this is not gonna work the same. And the purpose of being in church, one of the the reasons that worship music is so effective is that rhythmic dancing uh, and actually rhythmic chanting of human groups with each other predates human language Mm -hmm. evolutionarily. Mm -hmm. This shit works and it accomplishes really good things. It Mm -hmm. lowers our blood pressure, increases our charitable giving, increases our sense of community, psychological health. I mean, tons of metrics it's good for. So look, this is why I'm trying, this is why I'm pushing back a little bit on the, well, they just want to keep their power. Not just that. I mean, it's like group solidarity is really helpful for a lot of things.
2: I I mean, I don't mean it as even judgmental. And again, I'm not blaming individual or intent even. Mm -hmm. I just... There's just, uh, there's just different frames with
3: which you can analyze it. Power is just only one of those yeah, frames.
2: That's just a frame. I mean, yeah. group
3: cohesion is uh, mm-hmm. just as good as power. Yeah. And uh, there's not necessarily a bad actor there because group cohesion has a ton of good benefits. Yeah, so
2: I think I'm yeah. pretty pro-religion even the more I think about it. The, yeah. I mean, the more I'm past dec- what I would consider past deconstruction, now I'm trying to see what is this human functions of religion that I believe in and care about and think of the community. Oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah. every, the things I've tried to do in my life are all... You know what's real crazy? I thought this yesterday, that the, I don't have ill will toward the church. It was like an gr- amazing... Prep school I went to that I graduated from. I should I still want to give them money or something. Like, yeah, I, it was, it served me yeah. well. It taught me how, yeah. like, it gave me morals when mm-hmm. I didn't have them. I didn't know what was right and wrong. I'm an analytical guy and I don't feel that very, I don't, I would have known what was good and bad and how to get, stay out of trouble without it. It helped. It's yeah. thank you, religion. Thank you, church. Thank you, Christianity. But Thank you. I mean, it's been. It's how I—I like how it turned out, and this is how I got here. I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it.
1: That's uh, Brett Weinstein's uh, big push right now, too, because he's saying that uh, religion is evolutionary, and it's been—and new atheism has pushed back on it as if it was only hurtful,
3: and and he's pushing
1: back against a lot of that— by saying, wait a minute, it isn't just hurtful. It's ways that we created culture and and paradigms and all yep. of this stuff to actually get through right. through. But it, I wanted to go back to one thing you you say you're right when you're talking about John Foreman. It's it is. There's something there too of if we can keep something supernatural, then we can retain faith, right? Because one and so the danger of science. After you said that, I started thinking. The danger of science is once it explains it, you don't need as much faith. And if you don't need as much faith, then what is yeah, it? Yeah, you can so feel that it's coming scary. for Wait it. Like you you know. let go of this, yeah. eventually
2: it's going to come for everything. Right. And, so and, and yeah.
1: I think I'm going with you. Like that, That is giving some ground. Wait a If we give that, then the next step and the next step, and it's going to be taken away. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, okay. yeah. and totally. the, the other thing I was thinking, too, is I've, I've been having this thought, uh, uh, just listening to some of your podcasts, Dan, and I was thinking the scariest thing for everybody is, and I feel like this is what I was told your your body isn't necessarily sinful so if you work a hard day you know back in you know early man times you work a hard day you you capture the food you kill the food or you you somehow you, you learn farming or whatever that's good and simple but your brain like I was always told the bad part about me is my brain the sin is my brain right so, the, <laughs> so the, the, it's just you so the, the you snake to in the, the core the snake in the garden I think is I, I, I don't probably take that literally anymore but what the snake in the garden is my thoughts. Did God really say that, and then that's immediately bad mm-hmm. that way as soon as I questioned God did God actually say that that I mean I was taught at the earliest possible age, did god what did God mean by that? Hmm. Did he mean this? one of the most sinful, worst questions you can have, meaning what you know are we here because of a God or wait yeah. evolution like that so the yeah. the sin thing is my thoughts, not my body even or my work like if I keep it simple uh, i got I don't know what happened, but God got me through that good yeah if i go where was god Uh -uh, sinner
3: so i want to respond to both of those i mean first of all on the original sin thing uh original sin has never taught that we are all bad that that is like a perversion of the classic a useful one for some it's useful (laughs) yeah it's effective in certain circles but like it it just we're just not perfect right you know we just have sin gk chesterton said original sin is the only empirically verifiable Christian doctrine. Like we just obviously do fuck things up. Like right. Of course we do. Um, but like for both of these things, you know, uh, we're giving ground. Like if we give too much ground, where's faith come from? What you're describing is that Christians who want to take science seriously to go full circle, it, depending on how you were raised, not everybody, it will involve a paradigm shift. Now, If we identify that there is a paradigm shift, there's two options. Number one is you were given the right paradigm when you were younger and you shouldn't shift it, or you were given an insufficient paradigm and you need to shift it. And I would say that in my mind, the evidence is you need to shift it because if the church is telling you, you don't need science, you don't need all these other ways of learning about the world that God created, you just need us. That's setting you up for failure. So the fact that you said, I'm giving ground, I'm giving ground, you started with an unrealistic picture that was never going to be sustainable. Right. At least not for most people.
2: That you had to operate out of insecurity your whole life further further to yeah. it. The only lo- way to yeah. sustain it well, is you to can go hard, further in. Very so,
3: fundamentalist. Yeah, this down. is the way I've been describing it the last couple of weeks I'm finding helpful. Imagine you have a plate on your coffee table. We had people over and there was an empty plate on the coffee table and it kind of came to me like, I was taught in some ways – that the entire world is, in this, is on this plate and the plate is Christianity. So Christianity overlays over everything in the world and explains it. So anything that happens, you come, you find it in Christianity. Yeah. What I found is that the world is actually more like the size of the entire living room. And what I have to determine now is, is Christianity only the size of the plate or can Christianity stretch to be the size of the living room? Or maybe better yet, can Christianity be a contact lens that I put in my eyes and then I see the world through it? But it can't be the plate anymore. Yeah. The world's already bigger than the plate. The plate only covers yep. a little bit of the world. So right. I need a right. new plate. Can it still be Christianity? Now, that's sad. It's unfortunate that I was taught that it was just the plate. But I was. And the world is, in fact, bigger than that. Mm-hmm. So... Whether or not we retain Christianity, it does have to be a paradigm shift. That's my experience. Yeah. And I, I think that's what's going on with a lot of people who are deconstructing, is they're just finding things out there that they were implicitly taught they were not going to find because it didn't exist, or it was just scientists being manipulative, or it was just you know gay people wanting to rebel against God, or it was just what have you. All these things that are them, not us- right. And then you go. Actually, they're, they're pretty good. Right. Or actually, I I look at the DNA evidence for common ancestry. Or actually, you know, whatever. Uh, guys, I think there's a bit more out here. And so then, will will Christianity be be able to be big enough to contain that? And I my thinking is, yeah, it's going to be. Yeah. But I'm still working on how that's going to work.
2: Mm-hmm. So, how was your episode received and stuff like that? Do people your group like it? And yeah, what, I mean, what I came think, up after you'd done the work.
3: So the, the title, you know, you can take science seriously or you have permission to take science seriously is not like the most uh, attention grabbing headline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's not like one of the jo- biggest episodes, uh, but um, it really fits in with kind of the show. Uh, and I, I have gotten a lot of people who have let me know that these the science angles have been really big angles in their own stories. Um, and I think that in particular, and it's maybe just only a certain kind of person. You know, not everybody is like geared toward thinking scientifically, mm-hmm. but if you are. And you look at the evidence, it's really hard to believe something theologically that directly contradicts empirical evidence. It's just hard to do it because you either have to think you're crazy or, or like, you have to think like one thing that Adrian talks about in in the episode is like, you know, when the when the non Christian scientists look through the microscope, like the devil is obscuring the protons or whatever, you know, like yeah. you you have to say something like that eventually, or or when they're interpreting it, they're making errors. It's it's not a very tenable way to think mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. You just sort of have to go. Well, this is you know, the way science works is it's always provisional. It's always probabilistically confident, but. It's probably like this. And, and so that I think is like one of the most effective tools of having people leave the church is when, like, honestly, I think people who are deconstructing over moral issues like problem of evil or the Canaanite genocide or something, there's a lot more flexibility. If you are really taught that science is wrong and then you become a biologist, you're just fucking out. Yeah. I mean, you're just out.
2: You got unless you can do some crazy. Right. You have to do a
3: yeah. lot of gymnastics, or you meet people at your. Maybe you meet a fellow scientist who's like a Episcopal or something, mm-hmm. and you can find your way back in. But like that is the sharpest way to, to get people out of the church. Right. That's the quickest and most effective. Tell them science is bullshit and it drives and a have further them further away. because the people yeah. that
2: finally break and go over there, and then when they go back and try to start talking to the Christians again, they sound mean. <laughs> they mm-hmm. they are mad, and you yeah. know what I mean. And that speaks to. A lot of people out there right now are, are going, okay, I get it. You're right about the church. It has this or whatever, yeah. but you can't tell
3: me that science doesn't have an agenda and it's full of shit and ego and all the same problems with the churches. Well, so one thing, then this is in the episode two. There's just this really interesting thing about science. The way that the scientific community actually works and grows is almost more Christ-like than a lot of church organizations. There are multiple layers of humility built in.
2: So peer review, et etc. Peer
3: review, um, the fact that everyone is incentivized to disprove your theory, so that they will become the name that everybody knows. Right, so like they,
2: Newton and Einstein, boom. both were are really good. Because you know, yeah, I, I, Newton's not mad at Einstein. First of all, for taking anything no. away from him, if he could be here, and then Einstein, you know, credits Newton for it says he stood on the shoulders of giants and all that. Yeah, I mean, it, you but know, if but you could
3: take down in Einstein, order to disprove them. But selfishly, so...
2: Or improve.
3: Yeah, improve. But science, you know, the way it's set up is it understands human nature. It understands original sin. People are egotistical. They want to be the new Einstein. And they're going to work really hard. And if they can beat Einstein, they will be the new Einstein. And, like... That's and actually everybody based wins on, when and, that happens. Yeah, yeah. and then they—it's more but, like the
2: capitalism. Yes, when they the do that, then
3: we actually learn something new. And then if if they're wrong, and someone can d- prove that they're wrong, that person becomes then that a hero. That person
2: becomes a hero. Yeah.
3: And the peer review process is blind, and so people are, and their reputations are on the line. So it's kind of like capitalism, or checks and balances is probably better in the United States governmental mm. system. It's like we're going to assume people are sinful, and we're going to put these checks and balances in to keep them from having too much power. Right.
2: Science has something called rigor. And it has something very installed called checks and balances and a very competitive nature in that way. The church just really doesn't possess those, so they're, they're well, not. Well, some the, they, do. They, they, For
3: instance, Presbyterian, mm-hmm. uh, Presbyterians are much better than Evangelicals. But this. the ones we're talking, yeah. about, the fundamental, you know, yes, the, the right. other
2: side of this. Is, the further is you go to protect your one, own, is yeah. closer to the mentality. Not, in, and of course, churches yeah. say, well, we have accountability. I mean, but these and things, you yeah. you know, that those things are not in in the same way. And there's problems with the other, and that's why we have the checks and balances and the rigor and the peer reviews, because yeah. of course everybody would scam it.
3: Yeah. Of course, oh, yeah. of
2: course, that's the human nature
3: part. So one of the really interesting things we do in that episode is we go through the autism vaccine study, mm-hmm. the big hoax study, and we go through how did this happen? And it did happen. And it did happen, yeah. and, and they found out that he had falsified the data. And so it, it took a while, but people tried to replicate it. They weren't getting it. Eventually, it gets to enough scale that he admits it. Mm-hmm. I falsified the data. Because if you did uncover a vaccine-autism connection, you would be a massive hero. Right. You would have grants for the rest of your life. You're honored at the Guggenheim yep. You mm. know events, whatever. I mean, you are fucking top dog. And so there... But, like, look how science worked to show... It took time. It's never perfect. It's not yep. right away. And plenty
2: of negative effects it's from not letting just, that one get Right, through. of course. Yep.
3: And it's not just God beaming into your brain. That guy's lying. Prove it, you know. But it did get done. Uh, and I, you know, so...
2: Yeah. In the church, it's just whichever pastor had a stronger feeling from God, and we got to listen to. Sometimes. <laughs> I'm just, and, and that's— I'm, I'm, yeah. over, I'm exaggerating, of course. But no, right. you, if you wanted to compare the two directly—
3: The further you, know. you go toward one charismatic man right. uh, and everyone gets in line behind him, that's the further you are from the way that science gets Even done. Even if he's a great, wonderful man. Even if he's a great, <laughs> yeah, wonderful right. man. But you know what great, wonderful men do? They share power. They don't keep it for themselves. They don't silence criticism. So, and, you know, I grew up evangelical, but I had a few really great, wonderful men in, in that church setting who I still look up to today. Uh, you get, them, yeah, you I get agree. both. It's like, you get the the both. One, I mean, I've yeah. had
2: teachers change my life a hundred percent, save my life. I can yeah. say that too. Yeah. The ratio, unfortunately, is horrific. It is yeah, horrific, right. horrific, horrific. And that's not acceptable is the way I look at it.
3: Yeah, I think I'm probably, I'm. As you know, I'm less critical of pastors and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. I think there's a lot more motivations going on. And I know so many pastors personally, and I can tell, I, I and a lot of them listen to the show. Like and they're they worth their show. weight in
2: gold, not just because they listen to the show, but you know what I mean? But, yeah. A good pastor, well, oh my gosh, oh they gosh. have this responsibility of all these people. Well, we get, I yeah. Think yeah. It, oh, oh my confusing. gosh, what an is, important is I'm, thing.
1: I'm more critical of the job, not the person. That's the yeah. way I feel. I, don't, I, I yeah. do separate them. I it's don't, hard I don't to, think they're the same. It's hard anymore. to
3: imagine a world where we don't need a pastor, though, where you don't I, I'm not, need not. Yeah, oh, no. Not I think at you least do. you can go when no, your I kid you gets do. cancer or something We need oh, a, old, million oh, yeah, a million better pastors and a million better teachers, is yeah. all
1: I'm saying. I, I think <laughs> yeah. the job and what we require of pastors is puts them in about one of the worst positions right. it possibly can be. And, and it attracts mentally, physically, spiritually. Yeah. Just. Uh, everybody that I that I've personally talked with, it it puts people in a bad spot. So the job, right? Just like our thoughts about science, I right. think the job, our our thoughts about the way a pastor job works, I think we should maybe start shifting that as well. These but, are just I, individuals but, that
2: wind up in these positions by these very powerful institutions with momentum that are built on the false premises from David Hume back. Though that's the problem. So yeah. it, they can it tracks the wrong element, and then they conform yeah. to a, a, a fucked up setup from that's. Hundred couple hundred years defective on on a premise that's now way off, and, it, and so it, it's nobody's you know,
3: fault. It gets even more nuanced. Like there's a guy who is a patron of our show and did a patron episode, patron only episode, and he's a Lutheran pastor and he doesn't have any of those weird beliefs about science. But the mainline churches have been losing membership for a bunch of other reasons, mm-hmm. even though they have better theology and better science integration, and so. Like, why couldn't they be the ones that Hillsong came out of, or whatever? You know, they weren't. And so, there's just a thousand factors all the time. It's always it's discernment all the way down is something that I am learning to say. Is
2: there anything practical to be done here?
3: Are we just still investigating the territory? Um. So, uh, Adrian gives some pretty good tips. Like, I mean, if you're interested, I would listen to the episode because I don't want to. I don't want to bastardize what he said. But basically, there are better and worse kind of science. Popular science books. Uh, and there are some little tips and tricks you can use to kind of figure out where a scientist is coming from. Mm. And actually, uh, he makes an interesting point. He says he loves reading Richard Dawkins because it's very easy for him to control for when Richard Dawkins says something religious. Exactly. He calibrate, knows exactly right. where he stands. He yeah, can calibrate. That's right. And so, you know, you can kind of read the final chapter of a, bo- a science book and kind of figure out where they're coming from. Totally. And like, Sometimes that's easier than, frankly, a fellow Christian who you're not really sure what their agenda is, and they're going to use all the right language. This guy's just right. like God sucks. Okay, cool. So anytime he talks about God, I can you
1: calibrate. Can that in. Yeah, yeah, right. right. Exactly.
3: Um, uh, yeah, there's, yeah, there's more. Yeah, I mean, I would just
1: listen I mean, to the episode. Yeah, listen to
3: the episode. <laughs> I mean, people are coming from so many different positions. I don't want to start giving right. advice. You know.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I I will give a practical tip from my mind from if I had to say in my experience that the difference is it's the same thing as all the rest of deconstruction in that the practical tip is if you have kids, you're using something like a heuristic to get them to do the right thing by telling them this is good and this is bad. Yeah. And that's all you can say. You say, uh, you know, chips are bad for you. Uh, Okay. That's not the... sort of. Yeah. That's what we. That'll work when you're four. But you, do, the thing that nobody ever does is release anybody from that later. They don't ever circle back and go, "Oh, I told you that was wrong to cross the street." You don't need to feel guilty. It, you know, you no. don't need to con- continue that. That was. A, I was just. It, we were making it binary when you were younger, but it's actually more complicated. That you yeah. have to circle back with the kids, and 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 if it's possible, don't say black and white things. Say it's not better for us given our goal here. You know like well, more I, so open people disagree thinking. on
3: this. I mean, Richard Rohr would even say like it's it's good to have a wall against which you can push later. Uh so there there are different approaches here and I'm not a parent, but I would say something like I would be I plan to give pretty black and white answers to my kids for a while. And then once they start, once they get to the point where they can Ask more nuanced questions. Mm-hmm. Respond with nuance.
2: But and you have to model to that to you change your thinking and update it too. Though, like well, it yes. all has to be part of. You can't just say I need to protect my kids from the time they're three to nine or through teenage years so they don't have sex, so I'm going to say X. Okay, job done. You yeah. have to circle back or release or model that you move through. You have to, you can't yeah. just. Build. So be the change. That's what everybody right? says. I mean, they say, oh, I grew up that way, as if it were an excuse for bad behavior or yeah. a bad belief. Well, I was taught that when I was younger. You say that all the time. Yeah. Well, so what? Nobody ever released you from it? You're free. You don't have to. think It, 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 it might have been useful at the time. It might have saved your right. life when you were 12. You're free from that if you want to be now, though. You don't, you don't just say, well, oh, I grew up that way.
3: Well, that's kind of the whole point of you have permission, right? Which, right. And in the exactly. intro, I say God can give permission, not me, But of course. But like the idea being we're all given a bunch of false binaries implicitly or explicitly about our faith. It's impossible not to because people are so. Well,
2: just do what you can to go back
3: and close yes. the loop. and Close the loops on yourself. And then, yourself. then children yeah. is sort of a different question. But, um, you know, you have to become the kind of person that you can become. That's right. Modeling, yeah. You know, sure. and like, you know, if you become convinced – Uh, That what God requires of you is not sort of fearful subjection to his authoritarian rule and that what God actually wants from you is something more like uh, loving relationship that goes both ways, that involves listening and speaking and and like growing, you know, in in Mm -hmm. nuance and complexity, then if you're convinced of that, then start doing it, you know? And, and that's easier said than done sometimes. And sometimes that's therapy. And this is why it's hard to give advice because people's stories are really different, but, you know, lean into that complexity and lean into your confidence in a God who's okay with that. Mm -hmm. And then you will, and then I think you'll understand in your own instance, how to model that for other people, including kids.
2: That's great. So Dan, thanks for doing this. Everybody needs to, I, I mean, just while you're still while we're wrapping this episode, go over and subscribe to you have permission is where to find it. Dan uh, has a, a community there that's growing, a Patreon group and a bunch yeah. of stuff, and it's and awesome. that's I measure the growth by that, like the, the, yeah. that's increasing and yeah. validating, and it's been exciting to see. Um, but you can't join it until you've joined the BC Club. That's the, that's the only <laughs> rule. Once, I know you've been meaning to join the BC Club, so go to thebcclub.com. Sign up for that and then inside the there we'll give you the link of how to find dad's podcast. And then <laughs> <laughs> if that works out for you. But uh do we have any names or anybody that we could put in for the BC Club this week? Let's just skip that for this week. And uh we do an episode every other day, every day other than today, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, we do a daily dose episode where we're just spitballing, going through stuff, having fun. Uh we speak a little bit more vulnerably there. It's just our group. Uh, And we got a pretty good, robust social group going that is the BC Club. I would love to have everybody over there. But, uh, Dan, thank you for what you're doing and the community you're building that speaks to people in such a different, less obnoxious way than we do. I appreciate that. It's a very, very valuable
3: counterpart. If you want to know what it's like at Carter and I's weekly lunch, join the BC Club and get the Daily Dose. There you go. (laughs) Can I say one last (laughs) thing, though? I really
1: do. I really enjoy Dan's podcast. Uh, I was listening to it even today on my run, and uh, it made me – it revealed a lot of oppression in my life because I was listening to Dan's <laughs> podcast and I was like, man, this sounds like the, one of the reasons I got into listening to podcasts and everything was NPR. I just, I love the quality, the the, the actual, actual way the shows were developed and presented and the information and everything you did, even when you were talking about your Patreon and there's like a little bit, I was just like, man, this is so cool. Dan is doing such an, a phenomenal job. And I was like, this this reminds me of NPR. It's just so high quality. And I was like, oh, no, no one on NPR... I have no chance. It sounds like me. Like Dan sounds... People like you are underrepresented there. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. I was yeah. like, I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm oh, not, even, I'm not equating our, our intelligence or anything. You're smarter. You're, you're more technically savvy. All that stuff. There is zero chance that they hear this voice.
2: That's what I mean. I know. Oh, no. submit a resume. Say I'm a podcaster. Right. I've been downloaded, you know, yeah. thirty million yeah. times. I've made X advertising six figures. That and uh-huh. I've been a professional fifteen years. And there's a resume, right. and they're, they're hiring somebody. To and then see you what show, up, okay, I'm Toby. I'm ready to hey, go. You put me on air. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you fail at the interview stage. <laughs> <laughs> or it's
0: the sample you, tape oh Like, well, can you
2: provide us a sample with your work yeah here, I'll upload you, you a file <laughs> <laughs>
3: fucking titty <laughs> but. so apparently you should listen to you have permission so that you feel like you're listening to NPR is that what the pitch yeah. is there? I'm going to say it's
1: quality it is good quality <laughs> for sure it. But yeah, different it, strokes for different folks like is the message is maybe though. why I like it so much Yeah,
2: I'm happy that when we can be obnoxious over here and just I just I love that I get to do what I'm you know, I get to be me
1: here is what I value about it, but yeah.
2: that ain't for everybody. Well, I will so, say this
1: too. I hope you don't hear it this way. It, it doesn't, your podcast isn't pretentious or takes itself, like, that's what I thought it thinks really yeah. nice about it. It's very accessible and nice, but I'm just saying your voice quality. Yeah, the way you're doing it. And I appreciate it's it. Great. Totally. It's great. So. Yeah, but
3: I do feel like I'm like such a boring BC podcast. And like, I listen to your guys's podcast, like in the afternoons when I need to do some dishes and I like, it's funnier. It's more entertaining. It's like, it moves a different way. If I'm going to listen to my show, I'm going to listen to it in the morning when like my brain's really working. It's pretty, it can get kind of dense, you know, mm-hmm. it's more information laden. It's just different. They're just different things. I have mm-hmm. different shows I listen to in the morning shows I listen to in the afternoon. Or shows I listen to right at bed, like a show about movies or something. There's just different kinds. Say the mission of your show one more time. Well, so my personal mission is to free people up to experience God's love. And Mm -hmm. the way that that relates to the show is uh, one way to free people up is to remove roadblocks. And Mm -hmm. mostly what the show does is pick specific roadblocks and try and get them out of the way. And then the the positive way of saying that is um, to present a kind of a robust liberal Christianity is sort of how I've been saying it. Like a liberal Christianity that nonetheless really believes that God is active in the world. Mm -hmm. And, and so there's the negative, get rid of the roadblock. And then there's a positive show people who are really, truly pursuing God and have these different intuitions or different life experiences or different sets of, um, uh, knowledge or ex, you know experience or expertise.
2: Very articulate, very well put, Toby. Yeah. Same question. What's the revision of your podcast?
3: <laughs> uh, uh, I love this.
1: Dick farts. <laughs> God.
3: Uh <laughs> oh, porn, porn, sex with my wife. Porn, porn, ain't sex no robot.
1: Uh, something. How
3: much sex will there be in heaven? That's <laughs> NPR, an important is Like NRA,
1: I don't know. Let's get out of here. <laughs>